Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. We don't have a clear picture of who has COVID anymore. Restrictions are lifting across the country, and getting a COVID PCR test is harder now. But the one thing we do have is tracking COVID through wastewater, and we're seeing levels spiking in places across the country. You've probably heard of wastewater testing, but I bet you're not really sure how it works. And yes, we use the term wastewater, but of course, we're really talking about the raw sewage that comes from your toilet. Dr. Lawrence Goodrich is one of the scientists doing this testing. You know, I always like to say that um, wastewater testing was never meant to be a replacement for clinical testing, but it was always meant to be complementary. So unfortunately, we're in a situation now where it largely has become a replacement He's a professor of food microbiology at the University of Guelph, and he's leading a team studying how much COVID is circulating in the wastewater. He's on the show to tell us what exactly they look for, what the testing is telling us right now, and why this tool is so important for this pandemic and for the future. This is The Decibel. Lawrence, thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. So your job right now, it it involves testing wastewater for COVID. And so I have to ask, is this job kind of gross? Uh, so lots of people ask that. Um, <laughs> and the, the first thing I like to say is, is to acknowledge the fact that I actually do not do the testing. I I manage the the research lab where the testing is conducted by students and staff. Mm-hmm. You know, people think of raw sewage. I think they think of it like fecal material, like what goes into the toilet. But in actuality, it's not like that. It's, you know, that, that of course, there's fecal material, but it's been diluted. There's a lot of water. So we're really dealing with water samples. Okay. Okay. So it's not really as gross as it sounds then? No. <laughs> okay. Can you explain how exactly does this testing work? So there's two aspects to wastewater-based surveillance. One is rapid assessment of what's in the wastewater. Uh, And so to do that, we assess the wastewater using the PCR test. So this is the same type of test that people would get if they are are infected. You know, they would go and get a a swab, and then that's what would be tested um, using a PCR test, where the test detects the viral nucleic acid, the RNA, as a signal. In our case in Ontario, we do it three times a week. And is this testing a wastewater plant, water from a wastewater plant then? So we can test wastewater from a wastewater treatment facility or any source where we can obtain wastewater, such as a manhole. Hmm. And so if we're testing at a level of a city or a portion of a city, you know, some cities have more than one wastewater treatment plant, like Toronto. Other cities like Guelph have only a single wastewater treatment plant. We would collect a 24-hour sample from that plant where every hour within that 24-hour period, a small amount of the wastewater from the incoming stream is collected by a, what's called an automated sampler. And over 24 hours, we then get what's called a composite sample. So we would collect that sample and take it back to the lab and concentrate the virus and concentrate the the viral RNA and detect it by PCR. Hmm. 
In the case of manholes, which we sample for other locations, um, upstream locations like university residences or long-term care homes or correctional facilities, anywhere that doesn't have their own wastewater treatment facility, we could put a sampler right into a manhole. So you're, when you're getting those samples, you can actually then do further sequencing on to find out which variant is most prevalent then? Absolutely. And not only which variant is most prevalent, but the prevalence of other variants, less prevalent variants in that wastewater. Hmm. And what variant are you seeing right now in, in the testing around the Guelph area? So in order to determine that, we do genomic sequencing. You know, since uh, January, um, the Omicron variant is the one that's predominating, not just in the Guelph area, but across Ontario and across Canada. And then there's two kind of subtypes of the Omicron variant called BA1 and BA2. And we are seeing that BA2 is now taking over from BA1 and becoming the predominant subtype of Omicron that's present in the wastewater. How accurate is this kind of testing? I think it's it's really accurate. I mean, it, you know, to answer that question, um, we really have to understand the advantages and disadvantages or perhaps um, limitations of wastewater testing. You know, I always like to say that um, wastewater testing was never meant to be a replacement for clinical testing, but it was always meant to be complementary. So unfortunately, we're in a situation now where it largely has become a replacement for clinical testing because there's not a large number of clinical tests that are currently being done. But wastewater, it's important to understand, wastewater testing will tell us at a population level, uh, give us a, a picture of what's going on. You know, we can't tell who's infected. We can't tell precisely the number of people who are infected from wastewater testing. But it does tell us generally, you know, as the wastewater signal increases, we know that that means there's more and more people who are being infected. And we can actually model that and, and come up with ranges of the numbers of people who are infected. Mm. But one of the advantages of wastewater testing is that it, it usually um, gives us an indication that cases are increasing approximately a, a week or so um, before we see people with symptoms. Mm. And it also can give us information regarding people who might be infected but not show symptoms, uh, which would be hidden. Um, with clinical testing. Hmm. I want to ask you about one of the limitations, though, that you mentioned there, Lawrence, because you said the limitation is we, we don't really know who's infected with COVID with this kind of testing. We just kind of have a general sense. With a disease like COVID, isn't it really important to know that, though, who is actually infected and who is actually spreading this? Absolutely it is. And, and this is why, again, in the perfect scenario, it's complementary to clinical testing. However, even with the current lack of clinical testing, the data from wastewater testing is important um, because we know, for example, you know, I always like to say that information is power. And so this data can be used in many different ways. For example, in a given city like Guelph, for example, if we see that the wastewater signal is increasing and we know um, that that means that cases will increase and hospitalizations will also increase. That information could be shared with the local hospital. So hospitals, I think, can use that information to plan um, so that we don't see shortages like we have um, earlier in the pandemic. And is that is that information actually being shared now? Like, is our hospitals adjusting what you know what they're planning for based on this information? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if, if hospitals are, are using the information, but I can tell you that the information is shared widely. 
Uh, we upload the uh, data and all the other universities in the wastewater surveillance initiative uploads the data to a, a provincial dashboard three times per week. And that information is made available to all um, public health units and the corresponding municipalities. Uh, the other way the information can be used, um, I think this is particularly important now that mandates have been lifted, is um, the public can use that information. So not only is, is the data made available to public health units, but a number of public health units have now put that information on their websites so that the public can directly see um, the wastewater signal. Where else in the world are we seeing this kind of testing happening? Is this a really widespread way to test for COVID? Yes. Um, the short answer is yes. Um, Canada is actually late to the game hmm. in doing this. Um, there's a number of other jurisdictions that have been doing this for a long time in Europe. The Netherlands, for example, the UK, Australia was really one of the first to adopt this and, and made decisions, for example, shutting down entire cities um, based on the wastewater signal. Is this a new technique or has testing wastewater for, for diseases, has this been done before? It has been done before. It really has its, you know, zenith in the 1960s. Well, that was the first time it was used, but it was also widely used at that point and continues to be widely used in some countries to monitor polio and uh, polio vaccine uptake. Um, and then since that time, we've seen it perhaps not used, but certainly studied as an approach to monitor various infectious diseases, including diseases that we um, may obtain from eating contaminated food. And that, that's how I came into this, because I'm actually a food microbiologist and I study foodborne diseases. And we, um, before, shortly before the pandemic started, we had uh, obtained some uh, research money to develop a new approach to detect foodborne outbreaks based on, on wastewater. Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about this, Lawrence, because you are a food microbiologist. So like, how did, how did this happen? How did you end up testing wastewater for COVID? Because the principle is the same. You know, foodborne diseases, one of the main symptoms is diarrhea, which means that the pathogens are shed in feces, which means that they end up in wastewater. So our idea was that if we therefore then monitored that wastewater in a given city for increases in the concentration of those pathogens, that could indicate that there's an outbreak. And it's important to understand that in developed countries like Canada, United States, uh, countries in Europe and elsewhere, surveillance for diseases, is it's done according to what's called the pyramid of surveillance. And it's a passive system in that it relies on sick people sick individuals to seek medical help. And if people don't do that, then public health officials don't know about you. So whether we're talking about foodborne disease, if you think about foodborne disease, if you've ever had a foodborne disease, I suspect it's likely that you didn't go to the hospital. So public health officials would never know about you. It's the same with, with COVID-19. So we want to develop a system that instead of having this passive system that relies on sick people to go and seek help, knowing that many do not, we want to develop an active surveillance system, which we could do regardless of whether sick people went and sought medical help or not. And so by looking in the wastewater, we can do that. In terms of the cost of wastewater surveillance, is that something we have to think about? Is this expensive to do? A PCR test probably costs around 30 to $40 a sample to do. I think there's four or five wastewater treatment plants in the city of Toronto approximately 5 million people there. So 
you know, for $200 a day, one could identify what's going on in the city um, as opposed to having to test individuals um, and many, many individuals at a much higher cost. As I've said, though, you know, the goal here isn't to say, well, wastewater is better than clinical testing. They should be complementary. But with respect to cost, you know, you can begin to see um, the savings with wastewater testing. It sounds like we, we actually can get a lot of information from this wastewater surveillance testing then. What do you think we should be doing with this information, I guess? Like, what should jurisdictions across the country be doing once they have this information? I mean, you know, there's a science of it, you know, the data generation, which we're talking about. And then there's the decision making process, which is, you know, somewhat political um, and is a, is a different question. From my standpoint, you know, we have this information. Um, ideally, it could be used, you know, leaving aside whether it, it will be used this way or not. Um, it could be used to make decisions, informed decisions about lifting of mandates, the potential reinstitution of mandates. It can be used, um, you know, for example, to understand what's happening in schools. At the University of Guelph, we test our dormitories, every dormitory, every day. And we've been able to use that information if we see a signal. Uh, this was before Omicron, because since Omicron, literally, there's wastewater signals every day. Oh, really? um, but before but before Omicron, when we were in the Delta wave, uh, which was the variant before Omicron, the wastewater signals were rare enough that if we saw a signal in a given residence, we could then inform the, the, the students living in that residence. Um, we could test students. Um, and if we found that people were infected, we could quarantine them and stop the outbreak. Mm-hmm. Should this testing system stay in place all the time? So, you know, even past these COVID waves, uh, should this be in place to kind of monitor disease outbreaks in general? I think so. We're trying to develop a system for foodborne pathogens. Um, that's in collaboration with the Public Health Agency of Canada. And we hope that that system once developed will, will be implemented. Besides COVID-19, you know, um, people are now starting to ask, can we use this to monitor influenza? I think we could. Can we use it to monitor new diseases, emerging diseases? Can we use it to monitor diseases that may not affect humans, uh, but can affect the animals that we produce food from? And that if, um, like, avian influenza, for example, um, which, you know, if, if that took hold, would be economically devastating. I think we can do that as well. So I, I would like to see, you know, and, and the, the thing about it is all of that information could conceivably come from a single wastewater sample. Wow. That is, we can test for multiple different pathogens from a single wastewater sample. So, so it's my hope that this system is sustainable and that moving forward, it becomes an important part of, uh, of surveillance, not just provincially or nationally, but, but globally. That's amazing. And so I guess the thing that would make it sustainable then is is funding, is is money, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one, one of the challenges um, with surveillance is if surveillance is done properly and, and the information is used properly, then um, it becomes a victim of its own success because invariably people say, well, why do we need this system? You know, this system was put in place to detect, you know, a deadly disease, but we haven't seen that disease in years. So why are we conducting surveillance? And they misunderstand that perhaps the reason we haven't seen that disease in years is because the surveillance system is working so well that when we see traces of that, we can take steps to make sure that it doesn't turn into an outbreak. So then what invariably happens is funding is cut. And that's what happened 
you know, with our public health response, with other countries' public health response, and then came this pandemic and we were caught flat-footed. Lawrence, this was really fascinating to hear from you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.